Welcome to Charlie and Dropouts, a good Final Fantasy XIV podcast for bad academics. I'm your host this week, Archon Victor Hunter. And if blue lives matter so much, why did God give them Final Sting? (laughs) Jesus. I'm here with my co-host today. I... I'm here with my co-host today, and I can't wait to learn what color her house, her little window, and her Corvette are. It's Archon Nadia Oxford. Say hello, Nadia. I prefer red. I like blue. Um, <laughs> when you put it on majors, though, things get kind of messy. So we'll we'll be talking about that today. Sure, it, it's it gets very messy. We're going to we're going to get into just how messy it gets, because with us today is our favorite recurring guest. You know him from Destructoid. You know him from Axe of the Blood God. This thin blue line makes sure that every raid descends into chaos. It's Archon Eric Van Allen. You, you had to go with two of those jokes in a row. <laughs> Not if if he was in blue, he would daba dee daba die. <laughs> that one that one's covered in game already. I don't. All I don't right, mean, all right. That's well trodden right. territory. God, you gotta warn us before you open the show with a joke like that. <laughs> How you guys doing? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm I'm very much looking forward to our our topic today. Yeah, you've uh, always been a specialty. You you've always had a, a soft spot for blue mages. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, this um, very special episode on the free feed today was inspired by some of the group activities we've been doing lately over on the Acts of the Blood God Discord. Activities that you could also be a part of by subscribing at the $1 level over at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Seriously, $1 is all it takes to be part of the shenanigans we're about to describe. Of course, at the $5 level, you get another Charlian Dropouts episode every month. At $10, you get access to the Pantheon of the Blood God monthly eps. And the sweet spot is that $25 Stars of Destiny level where you get to join in on live Blood God recordings, as well as the always hilarious and insightful post-show hangouts. But without further ado, let's get into the topic for today's episode. This is Blue Mage 101. So, first first I wanted 
I want to cover a little bit of the history of the Blue Mage. I'm going to go over some of the times that, that the Blue Mage has, has occurred in the Final Fantasy series. So if you have experience with any of these titles, or you have particularly fond memories of any of these particular Blue Mages, uh, that, is, that is open for discussion. So, yes. first of all, we start out with Final Fantasy V was the very first introduction of the I was going to ask you if that was the first time we see a blue mage. It was. Yeah. Do you have uh do you have fond five memories at all? No. Uh of all, <laughs> five I I I like five very much. I appreciate its place in the in the pantheon so to speak of RPGs and and the of course its influence is undeniable. Like it is a monster in that in that regard, but totally. managing the classes always made me a little bit nervous and of course Blue Mage is just managing a class on top of managing a class. Like you have to mm-hmm. go out there and get your ass kicked by monsters. Like, come barf in my face, please, so I can learn toxic sludge or whatever I'm gonna be doing with my whatever's gonna happen with my suffering. Yeah, it's a <clears throat> remarkably uh I guess we kind of take it for granted now, but it was it was sort of a counterintuitive gameplay mechanic. It it yes. sort of flies in the face of everything you you think you should know about how a battle should play out. Um and and also the 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 complexity of you know some some monsters you need to cast control on with a, yeah. a beast master or a beast tamer and then then you can control them and get them to use an exclusive move that your blue mage could learn it um it got it got pretty pretty tricky there's um, a lot of depth there for blue mages if you want to dig but that's the thing you got to have the the fortitude and the want to find every obscure stupid spell and then uh, just jumping ahead to Final Fantasy VI for a minute there, dear God, Strago, <laughs> you useless <laughs> MFer. I try, I really try with you, but it's just yeah. you have your granddaughter right there, or Shadow's daughter, whatever you want to <laughs> call her. But uh, she learns control, which is just so much more handy, and will f up your game if you have a 1.0 cartridge and you're not careful, which is a, sure. a great, great little glitch. I never ran into it, thank God. But yeah. Even Realm, like, she was much better if you just put Materia on her and let her go to town as a magic user, because she was absolutely insane. But, yeah, you could control, you could use blue magic. Uh, but with Strago, it was always, like, expensive to use blue magic, and that was a big problem mm-hmm. of mine. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it came in handy with uh, with uh, the, the burning house where you first meet him. And I gotta say, I love the fact that um, the spell Aqua, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a very very basic spell in Final well, Fantasy aqua, called, like... Aqua Breath? Aqua breath, and they call him mm, Aqualung. Mm, yeah. Like, hey, Aqualung! Right. Like, God <laughs> right, damn it, yeah. Ted Wolsey, why'd you go and do that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, not my favorite class, but in Final Fantasy VII, it's kind of interesting what they did. Where uh, I can't remember the name of the materia, but you do get a materia it was called uh, enemy mas- skill, I believe. Enemy skill, and you're like, what the hell yeah. is this? You put it on, and you learn yeah. enemy skills, hence the name. But most of them are kind of okay, but you can get a couple of absolutely insane ones. Like, there's one called Big Guard. You get it in one place in the continent. There's like a some stupid ass sea creature. You gotta confuse it so it uses like a really crazy ass big guard against itself, and it goes bounces on you, and you learn it. And that spell will get you through the game. So I kind of appreciate what Final Fantasy VII did there. It's not a whole spiel. It's not a whole class. It's just here's a materia. Uh, yeah. Go let the big ass snake hit you with a nuclear bomb, or whatever it does, because that's a pretty powerful <laughs> spell as well. Yeah. Go ahead, here. I so. Because of the activities we've been undertaking in the Discord, I've been thinking a lot about the Blue Mage uh, recently, and 
who knows, maybe you'll find some words on destructoid.com about that pretty soon. But mm. Mm. the the thing about the Blue Mage is I, I had a friend once who we were talking about barbecue. And obviously I'm from Austin, from Austin, Texas, uh, the land of great barbecue. And we were arguing about what uh, what makes a barbecue joint great. Like, what is the hallmark of a good barbecue joint? And and there's there's many answers. You know, who who does their brisket the best? Who's got good sauce? Who's got, you know, do they get the the smoked bits just right? Um, mm, delicious. My friend said something that stuck with me. It stuck with me for years. He said, "You can tell a barbecue place is good if you try their turkey." Hmm. Now. You don't think of turkey as a barbecue meat very often. It's it's usually like a side. Yeah. It's usually something you don't think of. Sure. But he said the same thing about the sides. He said, if a place is going to care that much about everything it puts out and you can dig that deep into what they're putting out, it's still good. That's a good barbecue joint. Blue Mage is the barbecue turkey of Final Fantasy <laughs> where this this class forces you to engage with so many of the game systems to bend them to make them malleable in a way that we've talked about before is uh very endearing a thing that rpg players like to do is is to take a system and break it right yes and blue mage is a game's open invitation to break its own systems to say like okay you can get abilities from these monsters and then use all these things that you've been using to manipulate your own abilities along with the stuff that the enemies are using to create something completely wild completely new and I find it to be a hallmark of a really interesting Final Fantasy battle system like five or like 10 two, when that blue mage is pulled off well, when that blue mm. mage is done well. Uh, 10 two is probably my favorite implementation of a blue mage, uh, which is the gun use mage. One of your abilities, I dare because <laughs> I'll use it right back. <laughs> exactly. It's I, I first of all, gun mage is just, objectively a good name well that's a great that's a great name (laughs) it's have one spell and it goes boom uh machine machine gun wizard is actually gun mage is the name of uh it's my performance name when i go to the ren fair and play only machine gun (laughs) kelly songs uh (laughs) just covers on a loot um but it it's so interesting the way that it it requires nadia you mentioned having to confuse an enemy and have it cast it on yourself so you can learn it uh, Ten Two pulls the same thing with a lot of its spells, having to find ways to reflect an enemy so they will use a spell that will reflect onto you, and then your gun mage can learn it. Uh, I find that to be really interesting. Fourteen, which I'm sure we'll talk at length about in a moment. You know, this is a fourteen podcast after all. Uh, really encourages you to pay attention to the things that enemies are doing to to see what the spells are out there. Uh, maybe, I, Vic, I don't know. Were you around when 14 got Blue Mage? Were, were sure you was. playing when 14 got Blue Mage? Heck yeah. I, I would love to, at some point when we get to it, hear what that experience was like as the yeah. community was finding that stuff because it really does feel like it, it recognized a part of the community that wants to find things, that wants yeah. to discover mm-hmm. things. I have lots to say about that. We'll, we'll get to that as we go down <laughs> our list a little bit. Because, uh, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, we... You know, from the beginning, from from the inception at, at FF5, it, it really introduces us to a lot of these signature abilities that that we still use plenty. Like you were saying, Nadia, uh, a mighty guard. Uh, I yes. think the mm, first mm-hmm. few times it showed up, it was localized as big guard, but it's sort That's of been how standardized. I yeah, yeah, mm, as, as mighty guard. guard. Big guard. Um, but uh, I, I know I personally, I didn't, 
I think Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was maybe the first game mm. where I really mm-hmm. noticed Blue mm-hmm. Mage. And part of that feels like um, because we didn't get five until later on, it maybe for Western audiences didn't feel as ingrained in Final Fantasy DNA. I think that's very possible, especially if with five in general. There's a lot there that was ingrained in Japanese culture that we did yeah. not, we kind of missed out on. And even um, Strago, uh, they they got rid of the the titles that characters yeah. had in the English version of FF6 or FF3 on, on Super Nintendo. So he didn't have that Blue Mage moniker on his profile. So we didn't even have that in our lexicon, really. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of wasn't until people started discovering FF5 and recognizing that there was this lineage of the Blue Mage um, and recognizing the recurring spells like White Wind and Mighty Guard and Magic Hammer and Goblin Punch and stuff like that. I love um, Goblin Punch. But uh, yeah, um, um, my my personal favorite comes in the form of Queen Quinn uh, mm. in Final oh, Fantasy IX. Of course, yeah. So I don't know, uh, uh, Nadia. I know you you played Nine for your first time a couple years ago. Didn't yes, you? I did. Yeah, did uh, did Queena? Uh, stick out for you no unfortunately queen i said oh god a blue mage but i do <laughs> think she was one of the better blue mages or they um queen is queen as far as gender goes but uh <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah i don't think i use them very often I, I tell you what though i love the music in their swamp like i just oh yeah it, it just makes me so happy every single Dude, time Marsh i hear it wonderful. but can you explain what their uniqueness was because i cannot i remember there was a hook that i loved she, sure they were kind of vicious, as I recall. So here's here's what I love about Blue Mage, and uh, it's it's one of those things we will probably talk about this if we get to talk about um, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection in the future, <laughs> Nadia. Because uh, heck, yes. heck yeah, there is there is a gotta catch them all element of Blue mm-hmm. Magic that is Absolutely. very fun, and it's. It's um, further emphasized in nine because to get blue magic, there there's always a couple different ways they'll they'll usually implement how you acquire blue magic. Sometimes it's getting hit by a spell. Sometimes it is uh, observing a spell. Sometimes it is hitting an enemy with an attack that sort of like siphons their spell into your being. Right. I mean, for those who don't know, the Blue Mage's whole deal is using enemy abilities against them um, and, and building up your, your compendium of available enemy skills. And you usually have like a little Pokedex style thing of what spells you have in your Blue Mage uh, arsenal. And Quina, um much like you have to weaken a Pokemon to capture them in the wild. <laughs> if you want a spell with Quina, you have to get them down to a certain amount of HP, and then Quina's special ability is eat. That's uh, right. And They love uh, they to eat will, frogs. Yeah, they will eat the enemy. The, the whole reason Quina is on this quest is because they want to eat everything in the world or taste, <laughs> taste a little bit of everything did in you, the world. Did you grow up with Tiny Toons? Um, absolutely yeah do you remember when they had a uh their own like not all the episodes aged great but i love the one where they had their own film festival or they had to make their own animations and you had dizzy devil dizzy eat world <laughs> right. and that's exactly what i think of when i think of that kind of thing yeah queen eat world 
Um, and I don't know, something about it. Quina is still my PSN profile picture. Yeah. Um, I'm heartbroken that Quina is not playable in Theater Rhythm Final Bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I just, yeah. I love Quina. Uh, they're just the best. There's also a weird, uh, she has weird pronouns in the original localization. I imagine they would probably use they, they nowadays, a singular they, they, they nowadays if they were yeah. localizing it, but they have like a, a she slash he pronoun. I've always called her a she just because that's kind of how it's spelled. But yeah. it's, you can't even say it. It doesn't even make sense. Orally. It's funny how like yeah. they went like, I understand why they did it. But nowadays we just go, oh, they. But back then yeah. you didn't really think about that kind of thing when you're localizing. So yeah. just an interesting yeah. little change in society there. But um, yeah, I, I love Queena and, and Nine really, uh, I... I wandered all over the place. That was one where I just experimented. I didn't look up a guide. I was just like, I wonder what I can get. I wonder mm-hmm. if this will give me anything. I'm just going to play. I played FF9 like I was playing Pokemon and just trying That's to awesome. catch everything I saw. <laughs> Got to eat them all. We've, we've talked about 10 twos. Amazing. Uh, ama- amazing. <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh, I like boy. that. <laughs> amazing gun mage. One of my favorite classes. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And also one of the best games in the series. Uh, I won't hear anyone mm-hmm. say otherwise. No, no, I look. I, I, I will play it for sure. I'm ready for the Pantheon is all I have to say. I'm ready for the Pantheon. Oh, me too. It's fantastic. The other one I want to mention too is um, FF11's Blue Mage. Oh, hmm. okay. So one of the things about FF14's Blue Mage is that 14's main gameplay is is pretty prescriptive. You know, it... It forces you to go into dungeons with two DPS, a healer, and a tank. It always makes sure that you and your party have all the skills you need to complete whatever task you have gone into. There are are item level requirements. There are level requirements. Uh, It it automatically gives you your skills as you level up your jobs. Mm -hmm. And 14's Blue Mage doesn't do that which actually makes it play a little bit more like a job from FF11. FF11, you don't get skills automatically by leveling up. If you're playing a mage class in FF11, you better go out and find a shop that is selling a scroll that has really? cure in it so that you can learn cure. Wow, that's um, extremely retro. That's like Final Fantasy 1 right there. Yeah, you you have to go out and seek out these spells in the world and you you don't necessarily know what all those spells are going to be there's there's a level of mystery to it and there's a level of experimentation and you may be in a party that that just can't handle something because there's no guarantee that mm-hmm. that everyone's spell loadout is going to be properly equipped for for the sort of thing you're doing which is why uh you know the 14 blue mage is kept out of of standard content can't join yeah i was wondering because, about that like because there's no guarantee that yeah a blue mage will will necessarily have have everything that that they can do to contribute to what ff14 expects a, a party to be able to do right it also so in 14 i believe we're at 104 skills that blue mages have i i think off the top of my head it might be it might be a little bit different but um in ff11 they had Almost 200 skills. Wow. Um, so we're, we're getting there. We're getting close. 
but also part of the thing with the lore of FF11 Blue Mage is that they were sort of a military group and they, instead of watching a spell get used or being hit by a spell, they actually just ate the soul of the enemy. God damn. Um, mm. and, <laughs> like a fucking one knife. Of, one of the main Blue Mage NPCs in FF11 was named Raubon. Um, hmm. Really? And uh, they were very... Yeah, Blue Mage, Blue Mage Job had sort of a... They went with sort of uh, an interesting Middle Eastern sort of take to their lore. Huh. Um, yeah, they were they were sort of in the equivalent of the Near East of FF11. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but 14, that's more about the New World, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> and then the most recent one, the last Blue Mage I want to mention is uh, Stranger of Paradise, <laughs> the recently released... Uh, Wanderer of the Rift DLC from a couple months back. This, I want to get there so bad, but this game is so hard and it is so <laughs> it's really tough. vertically yeah. oriented. Uh, you have to have beat the main game on chaos difficulty. Really? You have Ouch. to have mm-hmm. trudged through the first round of DLC, which is punishingly difficult. Uh, I have started the Wanderer of the Rift and I can't get past the first stage. Wow. So I'm taking a little break because I'm just going to have to wait on getting that. So at, at least Jack's swearing is justified. Like he just never stops. And I understand why now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. F this bullshit. I hate this. Which brings us to the Blue Mages of Final Fantasy XIV. Originally announced at the Las Vegas Fan Fest in 2018 and added in Stormblood Patch 4.5, a Requiem for Heroes, in January of 2019. Uh, It is the first and only job referred to as a limited job Mm. by the devs um, in the sense that it, it isn't allowed to do all of the kinds of content that that your standard classes and jobs can. It was introduced with a level cap of 50, then it was raised to 60 in Shadowbringers patch uh, 5.15 in December of 2019, so less than a year later, and then again to level 70 in 5.4, Futures Rewritten, in December of 2020. So uh, it's it's been a little while since we've had new Blue Mage content, but um, I, I want to know what what um, what are some of our experiences with Blue Mage stuff in fourteen? Nadia, have you played Blue Mage at all? I have actually. I have leveled up my Blue Mage to a certain point. Um, I just mm-hmm. had so much trouble leveling them up and getting like good spells. Like I think I gave up because um, I was trying to get the needle spell from the uh, Sabbath. What how do you pronounce them? Uh, the Sabbatender. The Sabbatenders. The Sabbatenders. Yeah. yeah, and they just kept kicking my <laughs> ass. And I said, you know what? I'm kind of tired of this because. Early on, it's like I was probably doing something wrong because I was only, I was leveling up with like uh, leaves and stuff like that. But nowadays, uh, I don't know. Actually, does the uh, blue mage qualify for duty um, support? So the the way blue mage is calibrated is so that you can level extremely quickly just by killing mobs out in the overworld. So you don't want to do leaves. You don't want to do dungeons. All you want to do is find some spells that will let you kill stuff that's a higher level than you mm. and just go out mm-hmm. and wreck That is stuff. like the antithesis um, of what Final Fantasy XIV is all about because mobs usually don't give you crap 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, that also leads to like a bizarre situation where in our blue mage training for the discord, uh, you can goose the XP gains a little bit by, uh, say, going to a certain place called Kalusia and <laughs> having a level 90 run around with you. And as long as you're unpartied and the blue mage you know draws aggro first the level 90 can then sweep in and kill it and you'll get the xp for it and that's a lot of xp with the blue mage boost so we i i organized a a blue mage group on our (laughs) discord uh about a week and a half ago (laughs) axe of the blued god and we've we've had a, a few sessions so far but the first night was really just getting people as high a level as possible because mm-hmm. the level cap is 70 it's very possible to get to 70 within an hour yeah. wow. an hour and a yeah. half i didn't know that so our first goal was i i took everybody we we had a good crew mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we have we have a pretty sizable group of people who are interested in blue mage stuff so we split up into a, a few different parties and uh we just power leveled people um well into the 60s in that first night mm-hmm um and uh and i don't know there's something cathartic about it too after you've played so long and you know exactly what it's like to try to level a normal job Mm. being able watching watching yourself go up six levels after one kill Uh uh is very exhilarating that's always great that part of the brain where you're like ooh. one of my favorite parts in any final fantasy game is when uh, cecil becomes a paladin he's level one again and you go down the mountain but now he's like equipped all his holy shit and he just like um, demolishes these mobs with every like every battle. Da, 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 da. Cecil gains like ten levels. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. It's it's such a good feeling. Um, so Eric, before we started our our regular group, did you have any Blue Mage experience? No, uh, I had always kind of looked at Blue Mage, and you know, I've I've talked before that my goal is the triple triad card, and so mm-hmm. I uh, know I knew that Blue Mage was something I was going to have to engage with eventually because you do need to do pretty much all of the blue mage stuff in order to unlock the npc to play for a single card which is a recurring theme in the triple triad mount hunt let me tell you do this really long quest chain just to unlock (laughs) two cards (laughs) that's usually how it goes a lot of the tribe quests too yeah oh don't get me started uh but with blood blood mage blue mage (laughs) i wish it was blood oh my god Yeah, yeah. Look, hey, Yoshi P, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> we know you are chemist first, and then Blood Mage. Uh, yes. But with Blue Mage, I was always kind of interested because I had always heard that it was this different thing. It was a different way of playing the game and different way of seeing the game. And and like I said before, Blue Mage has always been that kind of outlier, almost like if you've played Street Fighter, you know Dan, right? Yes, Dan of Street Fighter fame usually a joke character and and sometimes in final fantasy games uh blue mage can be the dan but in other final fantasy games blue mage can be the dan and what i mean is dan positive context which is oh this joke character is actually kind of busted (laughs) (laughs) and so uh i was curious to see which side of the dan spectrum uh this blue mage fell on and kind of feels like it's on the 
oh damn this dan's busted <laughs> like <laughs> you can do some wild wacky stuff that feels like i i think it's good that it's a limited job that it's a separate thing that's siloed off because i think if you started with blue mage and this was how you first experienced final fantasy 14 you would think this whole game was a clown show and it is <laughs> but only because of the limbs of lemenza aetherite but <laughs> it's yeah it's more like this this feels almost like a uh victory tour for somebody who has leveled a class all the way wants a different experience because you do get mm-hmm. a distinctly different experience mm-hmm. and and we'll talk more about it in a little bit but like I also enjoy how that experience seems tailor-made to social play to in the same way that Eureka and Baja seem to encourage players to work together. Uh, Blue Mage mm-hmm. falls under that as well. I was, I was going to say, do, do you have, do you have any experience with things like the, the logograms or the lost actions from Eureka and Bajia? Nope. Because they are, they are, <laughs> you you will probably find them pretty compelling because they are busted in a similar way mm. to blue mage they're they're systems that let you use skills that are usually not available to the class you are playing and that makes for some really really fun combinations and fun experiences. palace of the of dead a, does palace that too. of the dead yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. being able to turn into yeah. a monster in palace of the dead i was running that today so i could unlock uh eureka orthos and right uh i'd completely forgotten about the mechanic and then we were on love like floor 49 and you know you have to get to 50 to unlock eureka and mm-hmm. one of my teammates just turned into a manticore or something and just started <laughs> yes. like pile driving his way through the whole dungeon and i was like yeah oh yeah you can do that here this game's cool man <laughs> like, yeah i gotta finish uh, i gotta get to that to level 50 because i want to do eureka as well Oh, you yeah. need to you need to see what happens at floor fifty of Palace oh. of the Dead. It's a it's an interesting little story bit that happens there. Uh, everything that happens with Edda Pureheart is just the saddest thing. It it just can't be happy, and she is happy. Yeah. She's like, yay! My my fiance loves me. Uh, I don't know about that one. Uh, where's your ring? Can you tell me where your ring is? <laughs> yeah, I I find all of these all of these parts of the game where they let you just color outside of the lines a little bit very 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 compelling mm-hmm. and blue mage is there are no lines they just let you go bonkers um in fun ways too i mean like specifically mm-hmm. the spell interactions i'm finding really interesting and i think it's mm-hmm. i think that's telling of you know whether they designed it to be broken in this way at some point mm-hmm. or whether they just already had really well designed monsters and then found cool ways for players to then take those abilities and mix and match them but like learning the combos really exciting really fun i i really dig it there's there's definitely a moment when um when when you get ram's voice and ultra vibration and you think to yourself Mm -hmm. well they're not gonna let me like there's no way they're just gonna let me do that (laughs) and then you use it for the first time and you go they let me do that thank you like i i read the i read the description of these spells i had an idea of what that might do and i executed it and you let me do it and there's that's so rewarding and so um it just feels so 
antithetical to a lot of the design of the main content of 14. Um, that and, and, you know, discovering interesting combos like the, um, the tingle into whistle into triple trident. Tingle, whistle, the... triple trident. Uh, my favorite series of Pitbull singles from the late 2010s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Mr. Worldwide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mr. Worldwide. Uh, that's that's what I do every time I do that combo uh, on Titans Naval. I'm like ass ass ass, and then triple trying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, talk a little bit about about what what we've done so far, and and um, I, I want to know your thoughts on like, I guess uh, you've you've done a couple dungeons and you've done mm-hmm. a couple trials. What are what are sort of what are your impressions so far? And do you have any idea where things are going to go from here as we start Mm -hmm. trying to tackle other kinds of content? That's, that's the interesting thing. So I will say I've taken some time outside of the, the blood God nights to specifically do some of the single player content and also do some just general spell gathering, get things like um, the, the coral instinct ability so I can run dungeons by myself, which is real fun. Uh, yeah. I, I went into the Tamtara Deep Croft and, oh, and beat Tantara. up a bunch of cultists with my sonic booms, like an angry guile yeah. going down the river to get that dictator. <laughs> yeah, um, kick that son of a bitch bison's ass. There's a there's a skill you get later on called Basic Instinct, which is mm-hmm. is what Eric is talking mm-hmm. about, and it is a skill that you apply to yourself. And as long as you are not in a party with anyone else, you get major stat bonus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was designed to make solo synced dungeons very, very, very possible with a blue mage. Yeah. You combine that with things like uh, Ram's voice and ultra vibration, which are your which is your insta kill combo, and it it trivializes 90% of a dungeon as a blue. Yeah, dungeon. yeah. So Ram's voice uh freezes everything in an AoE around you and then ultra vibration will shatter and kill anything that is frozen and mm. they do just let that happen. Uh it doesn't work <laughs> on bosses, but that's about like the one like it works on mobs, it works on normal enemies. Um with I also discovered the other day that it doesn't work on mobs in Snowcloak. Why? Oh, because oh, they're frozen. I think, they're, they're cold. I guess because they are already cold. They're you used merely to the adopted cold. the cold. We were born <laughs> in it, molded by it. I can't take him seriously yeah. anymore since Harley Quinn. It's not happening. <laughs> you ordered the chicken. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love Bane. See, that's Bane should be a blue mage. Bane would be a great blue mage. Oh, he would be as perfect for um, Bane. But yeah, so I, I've been running some of that, and I think the thing that has surprised me is how much variety there is to do, because part of it is very siloed off into the single-player stuff, where they're just kind of giving you a general plot line, which is, it's it's about Native Americans. It's about oh, Native God. Americans. Hey, let, let's get into the plot. Listen, yeah. as, as the indigenous man on the yeah. panel, I feel uh qualified to talk about this plot yeah it's, so it's so, about yeah, indigenous what, people you can't really like shy away from that whatsoever <laughs> literally the first major plot point is that 
explorers from Eorzea have accidentally given an indigenous tribe in the New World a disease oh, God. that their that their immune mm-hmm. systems are not oh, ready no. for. It's only a, it's only like a common cold for Eorzeans, but it is life threatening for the. Um, Oh, do we have it written down here? I had it open. The the Wallachie. Wallachie, yeah. Which yeah. even with the name, they like Square Enix did not pretend otherwise. They were like, nope, this is what we're doing. We're doing indigenous story. That's yeah. They they use the the clothes. They use the just general history that that happened around imperialist conversation, imperialist um, events in history. So my white man take on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for Please. it. Go for it. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. You shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I granted, I have not finished it yet. I, I, I'm at a part now where it seems like the, the big thing that's going to happen. And this is, I guess, spoilers for the blue mage plot line. If, if you really care, not that I'm saying it's, well, okay, we'll, we'll talk about quality in a second. But you found out that there have been two guys who, who have been overseas to study from the Wallachie. Uh, one is kind of your mentor. He's he's the good guy. He just wants to uh, learn from from their culture and, and spread it around Eorzea, which is interesting ground, let's say. Uh, but he also then becomes very guilt-ridden about how his intervention over there probably caused the spread of the disease in the first place and so he's been using a lot of his money and going broke to send medicine uh overseas to to help um and to try and develop a a cure for what is happening uh meanwhile there's another dude who is one of his friends who is in the same situation but he just wants to capitalize and make money and it seems like they're coming to some sort of head over uh, a piece of land and things like that it's kind of where i'm at in the the storyline for that so initially I was like, oh, geez, they're doing an indigenous story. (laughs) Uh, And 14 has had some real ups and some real downs when it tries to capture things that have happened in history. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and this is them maybe coming to terms with in in Realm Reborn, I would say even, you know, we had a lot of talk about the the tribal quests and things like that. um, And and rightfully pointed out as in Walker began to move those characters into those representations that we probably wanted to re-examine how we view those, those tribes entirely. But uh, this felt like them trying to grapple with it. I do think some of the writing is a miss, but I at least up front enjoyed the idea that they were going, Hey, it's kind of fucked up what happened here. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we like, if we're going to have a character who is supposed to be a good person, who is supposed to be your mentor through all this, who's teaching you all this, who is clearly an outsider. Like, I think that's an interesting like wrinkle that they address head on is that your mentor for this culture is an outsider who has himself appropriated this culture for himself. Um, we we want to at least have him tackle those concepts head on and deal with it. I think that's interesting. Uh, does it ultimately go anywhere or does it become kind of a caddyshack? We're going to play this dude for the rights to the land and we win and we won the day. Ah, and like, yeah, I think it's going that direction. And that's where I'm kind of like, it seems like they're going to like lowly brush over some really interesting ideas and then pull back out to, to some mass carnival nonsense. And <laughs> that seems to be the story of Blue Mage. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I have a couple concerns about it, um, and and they may be a little surprising. But mm-hmm. but one of the things I really like about the beginning is that they sort of set Martin up, your your main NPC, to kind of be like a snake oil salesman, like a traveling road show, absolutely, who's yeah. you know showing off the. The, the amazing wonders of the new world mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. these tribal people and their amazing magics come one come all and and sort of like he's exoticizing it a little mm-hmm. bit um but he does get that little bit of growth where we we understand his ration uh, his rationale and and the mamulja that travel with him are a little one note right now mm-hmm. and I, I would love to see them get mamul jaws usually are one note i just remember one that was in bronze springs i think and there was a big deal because yeah it was a fate he wouldn't stop like i get the the implication he was shaking his wiener around and really scaring everyone he was like this is my cultural <laughs> yeah. dance and it's like okay dude, dude you gotta be evicted sorry yeah i think i think there's an opportunity to to flesh some of that out in 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 a more interesting way if we ever do get some new world content yes i was wondering about that like the whole disease thing is strange because i understand where they're going with that i understand that parallels of course unfortunately but i get the impression that we've that what we know about the new world right now is extremely settled like of course, there are the, the tribes, the indigenous tribes that are still there. But I was actually reading the um, Aura, the the, the uh, tribe stuff mm-hmm. again, the, the 50 tribes and like, you know, every individual mm-hmm. feature of them. One of the tribes, it heavily insinuates that they went to the new world and saw, quote unquote, huge steel monoliths and like metal monsters. So it's like you're talking about that's... a world that's like ours, the new world. So the diseases and stuff might not be an issue but i of course there's so, so much we don't know about the new world i mean listen turtle island is a big place That's the true. new the new world could be very very large mm-hmm. and on one coast we could have a city with skyscrapers and cars and on another coast we could have nomadic i was going to say true. look at you know, look at like uh hingashi i believe like like yeah. other like a lot mm-hmm. of those areas they definitely already pulled that i mean even the difference between Limza and uh, Thanalin and Ulda is pretty, pretty yeah, big. So, exactly. So, uh, I mean that that Aura tribe description is the one thing. There, there was a combination of a few things that made me think, "Ah, oh, we're gonna go to the New World, and it's gonna be like FF fifteen style, like retro mm. fantasy Americana." Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I I would like that because that was like, oh, we're driving along. Oh, there's an adamantoid blocking the road. Let's go kick his ass. But who who knows? Who knows if we'll get any of it's, that? It's actually in Kingdom Light Hearts of... Four. They're just going to the Kingdom Hearts Four world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Catboy invasion, Kingdom Hearts. Finally, Sora's um, a catboy. That's <laughs> all we've wanted. But I've I've talked about this on the show before, and. Uh, I'm I'm Métis, I'm Cree, uh, Interior Salish, and I moved to um, the the Okanagan Valley as a kid, where the Interior Salish people are from, and uh, the lake there is home to a folkloric lake monster known as the Ogopogo. Mm-hmm. In Final Fantasy IV, when you go to the moon 
you encounter a boss monster named Ogopogo. <laughs> yes. It was some of the first representation I had ever seen for a culture that I was associated with. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it was, I, I held on to that. I continue to hold on to that to this day. It's, it's one of the reasons why I was disappointed that Endwalker didn't have as much moon stuff as I was. Yeah. I kind of wanted Ogopogo I was like, this there. is going to be the expansion where Ogopogo comes back. I do want the same kind of treatment that things like Norse mythology. Yeah, get sometimes. for sure. <laughs> I, I do want these things to be explored and unfortunately square kind of fumbled their latest endeavor into trying to represent an indigenous culture with the uh, cash shop uh, gear that has has raised some concerns. But what I don't want that to do is to scare them away from ever touching Native American elements or or Native American adjacent elements because because even just the inclusion of Ogopogo meant so much to me. Seeing seeing my seeing a culture I'm close to represented like that in a way that it just doesn't get represented. I mean, you know, Shadow Hearts three notwithstanding, mm. or <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know what other games. There's, Probably Shin I mean, Megami Tensei. Almost certainly, there's yeah, there, some. There's sure, there's probably, some stuff yeah. in there. I mean, but but besides like. Freaking Tomahawk Man in Mega <laughs> Man Hawk 6. Man. Oh, like, God, why? Like, we, we deserve a little bit better than we, that. Absolutely, and, yeah. The, and, yeah. I, I was just going to Go say that the tricky thing is is it would require some of the studios, I think, to, number one, have that self-examination, which I think, you know, in light of all the, the, the 16 discourse and stuff like that, you know, maybe those conversations are happening. Maybe those... Those or at least studios developers are more willing to listen, and I'd at least be. I I feel like of all the developers around, the the ones who are behind fourteen are definitely ones more willing to listen mm-hmm. than than anybody else. But yeah. you also need to then hope that they listen and then work on it, talk to people, uh, get people involved, yes. and also like the thing I came away from the Blue Mage stuff here is that it is frequently seen because of the way it's being told. You know, they they can't show the new world. It's not a part of the 14 world right now. So they almost have to take an outsider's perspective and they do what they can with that. But it does make me hope that, like you said, it would be interesting for them to actually go explore these places and tell stories from perspectives of those places and not just have our only framing be through that you know, here's foreign relations with the country. No, I'd like to see what the country's like. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Martin can only take us so far. Yeah, Lord, <laughs> he tries his Logan. best. He, he doesn't take us very far at all. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Poor Martin. Yeah, I feel like they did Bless a lot of heart. research for <laughs> Thavnir, like just with the. Yeah, I was talking about yeah. some blood god, the culture, the the food. There's a quest, a sorry, a um tribe quest where you have to bring lunch to some lookout people and describe the food as like you know curry and rice and this and that, and it's like oh damn, I'm gonna eat this myself. Screw the guy on patrol. Yeah. The bun that was in the most recent um, Endwalker post patch, uh, Hyam Michael Hyam, friend of the show, uh, did a great write up on it. I believe yeah. about how just lovingly crafted that bun was, and and seeing yeah. like like that's that's a hallmark of culture right there. Like food is such a core part of of how people experience and share culture, and 
that at least makes me think that they are figuring things out. They are trying. And I like that. I do enjoy yeah. that. Um, the uh, yeah. fun scene was very nostalgic for me because uh, I used to walk home from school. I used to go to a subway station that was near the school and like it got cold down there. So you'd buy like a Jamaican patty and uh, break it open and it would steam in like the subway because it was like cold down there as well. And yeah. you can kind of tell, of course, it's freezing cold in the, <laughs> in, uh, the not- soviet garlean subway i went berserk yeah. when i saw that subway i love subways and rpgs i don't know why but they drive mm. me like absolutely crazy in the best way possible yeah you want you yeah. want to talk about Agreed. things that spoke to, to my personal heritage seeing that underground metro and being like ah the metro smiling at me nothing but blue skies do i see Bluebird singing a song, nothing but bluebirds all day long. So I mean, we we know. Look, we from the Blue Quest line, we know of the Lapis Canyon, and from Emmett Selk's own speech, we know of the 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 gilded cities of the New World. That that'd be a really cool idea for an expansion. That's that's my take. There's got to be that's got to be one of the expansions coming up. That's what I'm saying too. But I I don't I don't know. I mean, just looking at the the response people had, even when they added the New World garb mm. into the game, which was back in like the Heavensward patches, I think. Uh, a lot of people got upset on behalf of mm. indigenous peoples uh, without really considering, well, people get to role play in this game and people get to see all kinds of cultures represented. If I, if I want to role play as an indigenous character wearing indigenous garb, I would also very much like to do that. Boy, do you, um, you, I, I will say you start getting into some weird territory there with like, is someone role playing and coming from a place of good faith or is someone role playing and coming from a sure. place of bad faith? And Oh yeah, yeah this absolutely. We're, we're entering fraught territory as humanity, as a society. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and, and I think in, in the larger conversation, that's, that's been a big point of contention even with tabletop role-playing mm, yes, games yeah. lately and it, it is a big conversation to have and maybe an ff14 expansion unfortunately isn't the place where we get to no it's the hammer that breaks the wall that. yeah i, I <laughs> yeah. see where you're coming from victor with representation like yeah. being jewish i've said this before on the show you do not get a lot of jewish representation in games uh, I think one of my sure. favorite uh, first instances actually was playing Dragon Quest. You come up against the golem, which is defending the castle town, which is what the original golem was developed to do. And it says in the game, like sure. he was invented by a wizard. Uh, and so they're actually quite accurate with that lore. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. Like you learn about the, the golem from Jewish myth and, you know, actually quite accurate. The conversation about appropriation versus uh tribute is so drawn out and such a pain in the ass like here's a perfect mm -hmm. example uh the other day a friend of mine on twitter was kind of angry on behalf of jews for uh last of us twos makes comparison or it makes references to the holocaust dina i think one of the characters is a uh a jewish uh character and um she compares the zombie apocalypse to the holocaust which is 
just something I thought oh, was in, in Last of Us Part Two. Last of Us Part Two, yeah. And I so this per- I don't know if it goes like that. I'm just well, it, it's, it's just like the fact of the yeah. matter is she does the, the comparison is there. And this friend of mine was was kind of angry at me. I have juice and said that's kind of shallow. That's this and that. And it's like yes, but Druckmann is a Jew, and he decided to write this the way it is. And my belief is that every Jew has the right to take away what they will from the Holocaust, which can be a very, very difficult thing to process. Like, we have very deep genetic trauma over that. So if he wants to do that, that's fine. But it's still a tricky conversation because I feel like, of course, I'm not I'm not Sammy, obviously. I'm not indigenous. I'm some European Irish thing. Um <laughs> like the clothes were there and it's like here are clothes could you is this the kind of thing like this is the way i i thought about it if i were to take a, tr- a trip to finland and visit like you know a gift shop are these the kind of things i could buy at a gift shop because i feel like i don't know if there was any um i didn't hear about any like ceremonial importance being attached to those clothes that sure. that square enix released sure. and that's a very very big thing in Judaism as, as well because it's like there are certain things that I don't care as a Jew. If you if you take or play with or whatever, it's like, hey, you want to play a dreidel? Go for it. Uh, Ladkas, eat them. Like, uh, if you are a non-Jew and you go into a Jewish space, like you are expected to wear a skull cap, a kippa. But mm-hmm. it's obviously nuanced. It's not like oh, if like a stranger were to see a guy putting a non-Jew putting on a, a, a kippa, he'd say, "What? Stop appropriating that. What are you doing?" No, he's doing what exactly you're supposed to do. So. You really got to be, I don't want to shy away from the topic because again, like you, I just, that's how I discovered a lot of my own culture in really interesting ways. But I mean, dear God, I love what Shin Megami Tensei does with the Kabbalah and the, the demons and, and their designs and stuff like that. That's, that's amazing. Like they, if you ever look at the um, design that Shin Megami Tensei has for the Dybbuk, that's, it's the freakiest demon you'll, you'll see in in any of the games. So I I love that kind of thing. But yeah. yeah, I see also why they'd just be like, nope, we are not tackling this for the next uh, two expansions, three expansions. We'll see you yeah. sometime maybe down the road. But yeah, it's it's very, very tricky. Yeah. I understand why they don't want to engage with it, but it is a morass that has to be untangled sooner or later. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the, the line, by the way, the, the Dina bit was, uh, you're actually touring a synagogue. Uh, you're playing yeah. as Ellie and, and Dina is there. And Dina makes a comment about being... Uh, from a long line of survivors um like obviously overtly referencing uh her family's history but sure um yeah i think that's story-wise for blue a good takeaway is that it's potentially very fraught and full of landmines for them to walk onto but yeah uh it could theoretically be really interesting and it's 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 a narrow tightrope it really is um, i mean look they, they've already addressed the 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 genocide of a people through disease and yeah and just sort of like conclude it with a ah but we made enough money and got better which you know there is. Yeah, again, again it's the, the caddyshack of the moment situation. of like oh we won yeah. the tournament everything's good now <laughs> yeah um but also that happened and the world keeps turning mm-hmm. and we make opportunities to tell more stories and we find other ways to tell different I, stories. I think and maybe we, we keep telling stories. Yeah. The problem is, is the that some people, thing. some minorities have, I believe is that uh, Victor, you can back me up on this time to go to hell either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
with oh i've been waiting for this for so long <laughs> finally <laughs> with stories that have like a lot of of tragedy and violence like the holocaust or the genocide of the of the indigenous peoples of pretty much everywhere in north america it gets kind of mm-hmm. tiring to hear all the time from people and to reference like, hey, this was the thing that killed your parents. This was the thing that killed your grandparents, destroyed your culture over in Europe. Let's reference it in the game over and over and over again. And that's fine. Yeah. That is part of our culture. That is part of what what strengthens us, as it, as it were. But one game I liked a lot that had Jewish representation of sorts was Valkyrie Chronicles, where you had mm. the, uh, the mm-hmm. Darkson. Mm-hmm. And the thing I loved about that is, yes, it infers you actually see the concentration camps where the Darksin, where the Jewish analogies are being kept. But you also see the Darksin on the battlefield, like fighting and making bonds with their friends and like making bonds with each other. And that kind of thing, I think, is important. You got to find that non-sad side of the (laughs) the culture. There is a lot there. We're more than the genocide. We're more than the Holocaust. There's so much you could go into that's not like, oh, God, we're all dying. Please help. Which is, yeah, my, my, my dream is that a setting for a new world expansion that still used, like I said, the, the sort of fantasy retro Americana. Yes, I would like would that. Would be a fantasy retro mid-century Americana where it was not as hostile to indigenous people. Mm. You know, like what oh, what if cultures okay. got to grow together and what if, you know, a, a what if scenario that like they they also prosper. Right. And, yes. and what what does that culture look like? That'd be cool. That uh, also uses that that sort of uh, iconography. We, we have blueprints for that kind of stuff in Afrofuturism and stuff like that. Like the idea of taking. Exactly what if scenarios and and turning them into like what would the world look like and that would absolutely be a really cool thing to see 14 tackle um yeah especially if you know if if we're going to a new place and a new conflict new everything this this does seem like the right time for 14 to try something like that but yeah who's to say there's also this is just like the 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 fashionista in me speaking but like I'm in the Pacific Northwest and we have amazing indigenous fashion mm. designers mm-hmm. who use influence from, you know, contemporary w- Western European fashions, but with indigenous flair, with, with, you know, using materials that are still part of um, land stewardship and, and tell stories of land stewardship and, and, and prosperity for indigenous peoples instead of the usual we're all dying and it's very very bleak i think so like sorry victor i I was gonna say one yeah i think rule of thumb about appropriation and sorting it all out is i would say do not f with other people's sacred stuff like for religious stuff and ceremonies and whatnot like i was saying earlier about you know judaism like Latkes aren't holy. They taste holy. But, they're, but, you know, they're they're really good. There's a lot of fun stuff you can kind of play with. But when you have the evangel- the evangelius, evangel- sorry, what are they called? The Neon Genesis Evangelion. When you have the Neon Genesis Evangelion idiots <laughs> who are like, yeah. they're the ones who appropriate the hell, like, out of sacred hey, the stuff. Akiano, this is your fault. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's your I cat's remember. fault. The cat's got a thousand years uh, there. I'm 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 worried I'm not going to present this story in 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 the way 
in in the purest form but i remember someone telling me that they got you know how um at fan fests and and packs and stuff they give out those shirts if you beat a primal and someone was wearing their i beat ravana t-shirt and uh someone who was of a hindu background asked them what their shirt means (laughs) yeah because yeah ravana is a god (laughs) that happens a lot with the the kabbalah like my father knows that kind of stuff he's like what the like you know there's a a really popular villain named sephiroth he's like what (laughs) yeah why are you wearing that shirt that says you beat ravana (laughs) oh dear that's not very good at all in any context yeah Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you should uh, think think over that was also stormblood i think that had lakshmi what a great battle, but sure, like, yeah. oh, a very white goddess. Okay, sure. So look, we've solved racism. Uh, what does the future of Blue Mage look like? What what um, I, I know you're you're not through it all, Eric. But um, like what what sort of things would you like to see included for Blue Mage? What what sort of developments do you see in the future? Uh, because it has been two and a half years mm-hmm. since an update. Um, but Yoshida did say on the last live letter stream it was just an offhand comment that he made to um someone who was commenting in the stream he noticed a lot of people were mentioning blue mage Mm -hmm. and he said just hold tight there is more blue mage coming so it's not dead but what what they have have not blued their load yet um (laughs) there we go Um, there we go show's over (laughs) thanks everybody uh, so here's i'll give you two things one that is reasonable and probably going to happen and one that is unreasonable and never going to happen uh number one obviously just an expansion and i think some sort of uh like like more more blue mage designed content would be really cool i'd love to see even if it's Mm -hmm. just like one raid or something like that Mm -hmm. god i would love to have 24 blue mages rolling through an alliance raid chaos think about how dumb that would look it'd be so good and i actually (laughs) so stupid I actually think that's not outside the realm of possibility. No, like, I mean, like, like I just, just a did it with the Evilese raids last yeah. week. I, it's a lot of fun. Twenty-four yeah. um, blue mages barfing fish. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's <laughs> my that's my one reasonable. Here's my unreasonable. Uh, inspired by patch six point three five, mm-hmm. blue mage deep dungeon. Uh, oh, I want yeah. I want Chaos. blue mage. Basically, like, what if Blue Mage was Hades, where I'm going ah. through the deep dungeon and I'm picking up abilities from monsters and maybe I have like a limited skill bar. So I have to carefully think about what monsters I'm stealing abilities from and making difficult choices. And maybe like you kill a monster on floor one and it gives you like fire one, but then you kill like the larger version of that monster and it upgrades your fire one as you go and stuff like that. Like. Mm-hmm that'd be kind of cool as well that would be awesome did you did you hear about uh yoshida's 
proposal for Blue Mage PvP. No, that he mentioned. Oh my God, that's amazing. Does it look like so Pokemon? one of their ideas <laughs> when when they were when they were brainstorming ideas for new PvP before they settled on Crystalline Conflict. Mm. One of the ideas that that they were trying to figure out how they could make work was Blue Mage Battle Royale where you are dropped in an area, you have no spells. <laughs> you have to go out blue hunt mages those spells drop down. onto Eureka. <laughs> yeah, and then like Fortnite, it would get smaller and smaller oh, and smaller that's and amazing. So confront. Why isn't we why don't have this so much? I kill that. Oh man. So oh. stupid. That would be the stupidest thing possible. <laughs> oh man, that'd be so good. And like having seasons where where like the terrain changes or different maps with like I don't know, you could do so much cool stuff with that. <laughs> that's the, more the only I think about it the more I'm like this is a really really good idea. That's the only battle royale <laughs> pitch I've heard that really interests me a lot. Right? That sounds incredible. And given the first soldier flopped real hard, it's like, come on, Square Enix, try again <laughs> and do it right this time. Yeah, reuse some of those assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put Midgar in fourteen, and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what the Steel City that's, that's is. That's the new oh, world. Is Have we had like a seven-driven expansion yet? Not really. No, Not really. Just no. just a little bit yeah. of seven related yeah, stuff but like, from the Empire. Some. I mean, know, look, it's it's whatnot. the new world of Midgar, and there's a giant meteor on the way, and maybe there's like a sure. silver-haired dude who's definitely not Zenos, <laughs> who's, oh, God, who's here God. causing some problems. <laughs> yeah, come on, yeah. Square, retire me. I'll write it. I got this. <laughs> uh, Nadia, what um, do do you see yourself getting into more Blue Mage stuff in the future? Do you have a desire to what 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 sort of pulls you into side content like this? And and is there anything that Blue Mage offers that that you would be interested in? I definitely want to to do it again. I'll probably join up with one of the parties someday. Uh, right now, I'm kind of wow. busy leveling up my uh, scholar and uh, machinist. Machinist is so awesome. Mm. It's just like oh shit, flamethrower lasts for ten seconds. Oh. I don't have to. You can't move, but it doesn't matter because there's just fire everywhere. But what if you got to do that with bad breath and your own mouth? <laughs> Still not as good as coughing up fish to startle my enemies. That's my favorite. Like just like apparently the description yeah. says, like you cough up a fish and it's like doesn't hurt them, but they're so surprised that it even happened. They're just like, what the fuck? And they stop in their tracks. <laughs> so Blue Mage is obviously a lot of fun. It's crazy chaos, like doesn't take itself too seriously i do want to finish it i love the um the uniform like uniform is just perfect the glam is perfect yeah both both artifact armor sets are gorgeous yeah yeah uh my my plan was to have the level 70 gear ready for fan fest uh but i won't be going to that so yeah i don't think any of us are oh, well look, look who is going at this point i don't know anybody that's going <laughs> yeah why do they do a lottery nope. i don't understand I, I mean, it makes sense. It's the only way to be "quote unquote" fair as possible. Like, it's is it like venue I, I understand limitations? Well, yeah, I, I believe they only have fifteen thousand capacity, wow. which is still three times more than the twenty eighteen Vegas Fan Fest. But I mean, when you consider that the player base of fourteen has more than doubled mm -hmm. since 2018 uh yeah they were they i were understand have a hard time yeah making it uh 
available to everybody Still who wanted sucks. to go. What they should have done is they should have given us all uh, blue attire and dropped us on an island uh, with monsters. <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch of penguins throwing up fish. <laughs> I'm going to beat a primal to death with a fish in order to get my FanFest <laughs> ticket. Oh, I, I did want to ask, Eric, um, how has your experience been with the Masked Carnival yet? Um, because we, we didn't really get into this mix of, it is it is a combination of, of Uldah's gladiatorial pits yeah. with pro-wrestling <laughs> personas. I have not gotten and... into the actual Masked Carnival stuff yet. Um, I'm aware of okay. some of the story okay. stuff that happens uh, from just being around 14 long enough, but I have not actually played those sections yet. From my understanding, they gotcha. are kind of like puzzle fights in a way. Each one's a little puzzle. Yeah. And, and each stage is named after a piece of theater. Mm. So it, it combines this like Excited the for theatricality with the, the pro <laughs> wrestling. And uh, yeah, we have we have quests like... Um, Ooh, uh, Bombardier of Errors okay. and A Chorus Slime mm. and <laughs> mm, Amazing Technicolor Pit Fiends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Papa Mia. All, there's no. something out there for every musical theater no. nerd. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to say about, uh, about Blue Mage before we wrap up? Blue Mages are weird. Keep on being weird. It's your best strength. It's yeah. your only defense. Uh, yeah, like I said before, I really like how they manipulate systems and uh, in the best cases really show how deep and in-depth and, and designed a combat system can be. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. think that is one of my favorite things about them as I've become more and more and more of a system sicko mm. uh, because of Acts of the Blood God. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, Blue Mage brings out the real sicko in me. And it has great flair, just great style. I love the masks. I love the, the victory pose for 14 Blue Mages. Very good. So classy. Very good. So classy. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Like you say, it's 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 fun especially when you've spent so much time in the main game watching those systems break yeah. and buckle under these new skills and and getting to really really bend this game over your knee and and break it in in really interesting and ways and do what just, do it <laughs> and just you know just give it a give its bottom a, a tender little smacking consensual smacking uh, yeah. tender little Welcome smacking the Valentine's day special consensual <laughs> smack with a trout oh god well i i think that about wraps it up for blue mage 101 thank you so much for joining us uh i hope we really maged your mind uh, hey shit no sorry i i hope we blew your mage <laughs> ah, whatever <laughs> Where can people find you, and what do you have to plug, Eric? Oh, uh, you can find me, the uh, the white wind of games writers out here on uh, <laughs> uh, on Destructoid.com by day, on Axe of the Blood God, and soon, eventually, Normandy FM by night. Uh, go listen right. to all those. Go read all those. Go read my articles. Go just click them open, sit on them for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the SEO happy. Mm -hmm. Nadia, what about yourself? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Nadia Oxford. Of course, I'm the co-host of the Axe of the Blood God and uh, Charlene Dropouts. Thank you for leading us, Vic. That was a great episode. Um, you know your Blue Mage stuff, oh. that's for sure. And uh, I'm pleasure. also on Retronauts. Uh, Retronauts. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, well, I think it is at Retronauts.com, but also Patreon.com forward slash Retronauts. 
Patreon.com forward slash uh, uh, blog god pod. Support us there as well. Uh, Victor kind of gave me the spiel earlier, and we mm-hmm. would really love your support. If you like this episode, please sign up for the $5 level, and you can get another episode. Woo! You did a recent Retronauts episode that was wonderful about feature phone games and the preservation of those, especially yes. some Mega Man games. It was just a very, very, very good episode. Very informative and uh uh, it, it's it's a field that I've dug into recently in the last couple of years as well because there are a lot of there are a bunch of tales games there are there are at mm-hmm. least three fully featured like brand new cast brand new battle system tales oh, really on phones games mm-hmm. that that were only available on feature phones wow. uh, there were a ton of Sakura Wars games that had connectivity through password systems into a bunch of the PS2 games and stuff that would unlock characters. Of and course. So uh, the the preservation of that sort of branch of, of gaming is is very underrepresented. And, it is. Uh, I, I had a great couple of guests for that one. And listen to the episode because obviously, as you can probably discern from Vic just telling you, like they need a lot of help to get those games. What they can Cultural differences make it difficult as well as just feature phone networks not existing anymore certain phones not existing anymore yeah it's uh it's a real uh challenge if you're looking into getting challenged in in game uh, preservation so i hope i hope that episode can can spread the word a little bit for sure as for me i'm on twitter at victor e hunter that's victor the letter e hunter and i might start doing some stuff with at charlian pod too so follow us over there and again, be sure to subscribe at patreon.com slash bloodgodpod for more RPG podcasts to listen to while you level grind in Calusia. <laughs> and for, for more from the Charlian Dropouts. Until next time. You make my blue. You make my blue.